Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right. Five-day challenge, five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. So the other day I got a refund request from a guy in our 30-day challenge and you know, we, we, uh, you know, if, if you're not getting value out of that challenge then we definitely, uh, want to give you your money back. So I was like, yeah, man, no problem. Um, but quick question, like what's, what's coming up? Like what's going on? He said, cause he said, I don't think it's working. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, um, honestly, he's like, I'm just so depressed. I can't eat. I can't sleep. You know, I can't do any of these things. And, and so I start looking in his account and I looked in, uh, you know, our, our video portal and notice he hadn't done one assignment. He'd been in the program for a week and hadn't done one thing, like didn't watch one video, didn't attend any calls and and whatever. And I was like, look, man, I have no problem giving you a refund. Um, it's 47 bucks. It's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. Um, however, I just kind of curious, like, why aren't you doing the work? And he's like, I'm just so depressed. He's like, none of the, nothing's working. And I'm like, dude, you haven't even done anything. Like you haven't even watched a video. You haven't even uh, done an assignment. You haven't showed up for a call. And I was like, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you want to, if you want to try, if you want to actually do it and do the work. Um, and, and then after let's see, you know, refund you say in a couple of weeks, if it, if it didn't actually do anything for you, um, or you just want to quit right now. And he immediately replied, I want to quit right now. And that, like, it's the saddest thing for me to hear a man who is so broken, who has allowed his fractured marriage, who has allowed life circumstances to so break you to where you can't even choose to do any kind of work on yourself because you want to revel in your pity. And, you know, I can't. I can't physically be there with men and 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 hold them accountable. I can't I can't hold them up. I can't hug them. I can't shake them like I'd want to do sometimes and go, dude, what is wrong with you? Right? Here's a man who probably has kids, who has a job, that's everything in his life is struggling because he's allowed one thing to fuck everything up. You are bigger than your marriage, sir. You are bigger than your failed relationship. There is more to your life than pussy and a woman. It feels like shit. It feels horrible. And I've been there. 
I know exactly what it feels like. But the advice I would have told myself and the advice I tell men every day is you've got to get a hold of yourself, sir. You have got to get a grip. You're a grown-ass motherfucking man who needs to stop acting like a child. I get it. It's hurtful. It's hard. But being a man is fucking hard. Being a man is not a walk in the park. And the reason why we have men that act like this is because they've never been initiated into what it's like to be a real man. You didn't grow up with a father or the father you grew up with was distant or the father you had was a stepdad who just beat you up emotionally. And so you don't even know what it's like to be a fucking man. And so this situation comes and you lose your shit. And I'm here to tell you that you become a man by going through the gauntlet, by doing the fucking work. It doesn't matter what you want in life. You want to be the best mechanic in the world? You got to do the work. You want to be the greatest CEO in the world? You got to do the work. You want to be the greatest father in the world? You got to do the work. But too many of you just fucking exist for so long, and then your wife leaves your dumb ass, and you're like, I don't understand. Why is she doing this? Because your fucking fractured ego sucks, and it's killing you, and it's keeping you from being the man that you can be. You don't need her. You need you. You don't need her, you need you. You need you to wake your ass up. You need you to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And you need you to lean in and start doing the fucking work. That's what I have to say to you today. Too many times I see guys that could be in a way better place, choose not to, and choose to bury their shit in alcohol, sex, whatever, drugs, uh, feeling sorry for themselves, talking shit about their ex-wife, Instead of fucking living life, you are given a breath today. You are given a hope, a chance to have a good life. Regardless of what she's doing, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your situation, you can live an amazing life if you choose to. Man, I want that for you. I want that for you. But I can't want it more than you want it. You've got to want it for you. So let's get into this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. All right, all right, all right. We are live with our next installment of Empowered AF 2.0. I'm your host, Mark Santiago, CEO and founder of Empowered Man. Empowered Man, where we help men who are struggling with separation and divorce get their power, confidence, and freedom back. So if you didn't know what we do, that's what we do. We are not a marriage-saving business. We're not here to save your marriage. We're here to save you as a man. Because what we found that is when men focus on saving themselves, their marriages get saved at a much, much higher rate. And those that do, honestly, end up having thriving marriages. And that's the goal, right? Who wants to just survive? That is not the mission. The mission is not to survive. The mission is to thrive. That's why we call our core component program Thrive because we want every man to thrive in every dimension of life. So this week's topic is probably a trigger for a lot of you. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, you know, I get the negative reviews. I get the negative stars on my podcast on Spotify and Apple and whatever. Um, and I, that's okay. Cause I'm not here for everyone. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. And I'm not going to make everyone feel all 
warm and, and sunny inside. Um, that's just not my role. And that's not what I do. And that's not what Empowered Man does. And that's because what we do is hard shit. It is hard work to do what we do. Um, we are constantly having to hold men accountable who are lying to themselves. That's right. I said it. There is a highly, highly, highly good chance. And for, for not just you, but also for myself, that men are liars. Men lie to themselves all of the time. Why? Because we can only be honest to ourselves for our capacity to hear truth. And so the more, the greater our capacity to hear truth is, the more honest we can be with ourselves. And this is a profound statement, and it just kind of coming to me as I'm sharing this. The more honest you are, the more capacity you have for truth, and the more truth you have in your life, the more freedom you have. The more freedom you have, the greater life you live. And so it all comes back to and it all boils down to truth, right? It boils down to that. And so I, you know, labeled this thing, uh, this podcast episode, no bad marriages, just bad husbands. And I posted this in our Facebook group uh, quite a few weeks ago, and the outpouring was uh, like phenomenal, hilarious in some ways, sad in others, and astounding in others. And, you know, I want to break down kind of the response, but, but before I like tell you kind of what the response was, I, th essentially this was my comment underneath and because I knew that this would trigger some, some men and they would get a little frustrated and shake and stuff. I said, now I'm a hundred percent saying, I'm a hundred percent certain that this statement is going to piss a lot of you off and that's okay. But imagine for a moment, if you took responsibility as a husband, if you took your responsibility as a husband, that serious where you own the state of your marriage, what if instead of hitting the she button, you hit the me button. Unfortunately, when I share this message with guys, their panties get all in a wad and they go ape shit on me because they can't fathom the idea of responsibility. They ultimately can't separate fault from responsibility. It's not your fault you have a bad relationship, but it's still your responsibility. Look, fault indicates shame. Responsibility indicates leadership. And that's what we're here to talk about. Men are leaders. And if you don't believe that statement, get off the podcast, go somewhere else, Go listen to something else. Go listen to Kumbaya something. I don't know. Because if you don't believe men are leaders, then you and I, uh, we can remain friends, but you won't be a part of what I'm doing because you won't fully understand where I'm coming from with a lot of the things that I say. And that's why it's insulting when I say these types of things. That's why it's insulting when I make these types of comments because you're so accustomed to being coddled like a little baby that you don't want to take ownership for anything. And all you want to do is, is hit what we call the the she button right here, you want to hit the she button instead of hitting the me button. Why? Because it's so much easier to hit that. It's so much easier to hit the she button and blame your wife for, for this bad marriage, this toxic. My favorite statement, everybody always says, it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. Of course it does. Of course there are two people in the marriage. And does your wife bring things into the marriage that are toxic and unhealthy? Absolutely she does. But does that mean it's her responsibility? Does that mean it's your responsibility? So, because here's the thing is that you can have two people in the relationship and both of them bring the same amount of toxic shit, but someone has to take responsibility for the failure of the marriage. And if you're looking back and go, well, you did this and you did that and you did this, she could look at you and go, well, you did this and you did this and you did this. And you're like, well, you're comparing your, your moral sins and going, well, well, my sin wasn't as bad as your sin. Well, you're the one that cheated. Well, I didn't cheat. Yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but those aren't as bad as this. And it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Instead of just, man, own your shit. For the last five weeks, we went through the five-dimensional man 
from a lifestyle ownership perspective. And hopefully, and that was why I wanted to do that before I did this particular episode. Hopefully you saw and understood that there is some, some importance to that and understanding that ownership is not just a one-time thing where you just say, I'm sorry for something, but it's literally a lifestyle in all five dimensions of who you are as a man. So I wanted to talk about this idea of no bad marriages, just good husbands, because not just because it triggers you, but really because I want you to come to a place where you realize there is a practical side to this. And I'm going to actually lay out five different things that are very, very practical for you as you consider your bad marriage. Okay. More than likely you're on this podcast because your marriage is bad or because your wife is threatening to leave you or she's filing for divorce or she doesn't love you. That's the majority of the reason why men are here. But as I shared with the vision of AF 2.0, the vision is to go beyond. The vision is to go beyond what we've talked about with just you know, boundaries and healthy communication, things like that. And those are all important things. But I want you to experience something greater. I want to take this to a whole new level. And so that's what I'm bringing today to talk about leadership in marriage and what that looks like. So look, if, you, if you're wondering, maybe some of you heard this or the statement kind of sounds familiar. You're like, man, I feel like I've heard that statement. And, and you're right. It's because I did not invent this statement that no bad marriage is only bad husbands. Uh, in fact, it's a statement that I got as a, uh, how do I say this? I took somebody else's statement and massaged it to this. And I thought it fit perfectly. And because when I heard it for the first time, I was like, that's, that's men and, and marriages. Holy shit. And so it's by my, uh, not buddy. I would like to say buddy. I don't know him personally. Uh, but, but Jocko Willink in his book, Extreme Ownership, says that there are no bad teams only bad leaders. There are no bad teams, only bad leaders. And this came about because they were in um, Hell Week, uh, which is something they do with Navy SEALs. And they're using these big boats where you have a team of guys, like or girls, if there's girls in there, 12, 14 um, you know, soldiers who are carrying these large boats and they're racing them up and down the shore, getting in the water, coming back and all this stuff. And they, they saw that there was these uh, really, really bad teams and there were some really, really good teams. And so they said, you know what? Let's take the leaders from the really, really good teams and put them on the really, really bad teams and switch the leaders from the bad teams and put them on the good teams. And what happened was over and over again, the teams, the leaders that were on the bad teams immediately turned around the, the uh, work ethic, the, the how they did things on that boat. And those guys ended up winning the races. So all that changed was new leader, and they won. And then the ones that, that were the, you know, the, the, the bad leaders on the good ships, they, they are the good boats. They got like second place or third place. They, they weren't quite there. So they weren't able to win, even though they had the winning team. And the only thing changed was that one leader from that boat going to the other way. And so he, he came up with that statement that there are no bad teams, only bad leaders. And I love that in the context of marriage, because as a man, it challenges me to not blame my wife to not look to her to fix everything, but it says, if it's to be, it's up to me. And it doesn't mean that you don't need her help. It doesn't mean that you don't bring her into decisions. It doesn't mean you just do everything on your own because that's toxic masculinity. That's toxic leadership. We're not talking about that. We're talking about healthy leadership. We're talking about healthy ownership. And the only way to do that is to be a leader. So the question is, are you a leader or are you just a follower? Like I know so many guys and we talk to them all the time on the phone at Empowered Man who are thinking about joining our Thrive program or you know, maybe they're in our 30-day challenge. And they are just playing safe. 
That means that they don't want to rock the boat in their marriage. They played it safe the whole time. And suddenly they wake up and go, why did my wife cheat on me? Why did my wife leave me? I thought I was a good husband. I thought I was a good provider. I did all the things that she asked. And that was the point. You did the things that she asked you to do, not the things that she desired for you to do. So she can say, hey, can you, can you move my car? Hey, can you get me gas? Hey, can you, can you provide for our kids' school lunch? Can you do this? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do, I do. But the thing that she craved was leadership. And when we lack leadership in our marriage, we have bad marriages. Okay? So are you a leader or are you a follower? Are you a man who just allowed your wife to make all the decisions? Or were you active participant in those decisions? Were you someone who takes charge and asserts yourself in a healthy way, not in a domineering way, not saying, hey, this is how we're going to do it, but that is, that is involved in all the aspects of life and not just in your family, but in your marriage? Do you take initiative? Like, let's do a date night. Do you take initiative with sex? Do you take initiative in those things? Do you have influence? Because look, leaders have influence. Influence, influence, influence. You've heard me say this before. John Maxwell, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So how much influence do you have over your wife? Well, many of you are saying, well, I can't control her. I can't make her do whatever. No, you're absolutely right. You can't make her do anything, but you can influence her. And that influence comes from her knowing how much you care about her. And if she doesn't really believe that you care about her before you tell her what to do or tell her what you think or all those things, she doesn't give a fuck what you have to say. One of the worst things you can do for a woman is try to constantly fix her problems. Go back to one of my earlier podcasts about being a fixer. The men try to fix the problem instead of hear the problem. I got caught off guard yesterday with my wife coming to me about something my son did. We had just had the carpets cleaned and you know, he had gotten on the carpet and he was sitting on the carpet with his shoes and she was frustrated. And she's like, oh, <laughs> she came to me and was like, you know, he is on the carpet. You know, we paid a lot of money for those carpets to be clean. It's not, it's not dry yet. And his shoes could be getting dirty. And, and it caught me for a second. I was like, whoa, wait, oh, oh, wasn't, wasn't used to that. But I knew that she wasn't, number one, wasn't attacking me. And number two, she wasn't attacking my son. What she was doing was ex exerting frustration. And so in me going back and listening, so I, I stopped and I was like, okay, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Is there something you would like me to do or how can I support you in that? What, what would you like from me? Because what they need is for you to listen, hear, and not solve a problem, but be the leader. Hey, I know I care about you. How can I support you in this? Right? That's leadership. All right, so let's talk about there's five things that I want you to really be thinking about with this influence in your marriage. Okay. Number one, setting and achieving goals. Leaders set and achieve goals in their marriage. Are you setting financial goals for your family? Goals for your children, goals for how you grow as a family, sexual goals. Are you, do you have sexual goals for your marriage? Okay. If your marriage is still together, meaning like your wife hasn't left the marriage and all that, maybe you're just fighting, whatever. Do you have sexual goals? Do you talk about those things? Do you openly express what you want or desire in the sexual part of your relationship? Do you openly express and talk about the financial side of your relationship in terms of what you want to do financially for your family and for yourself and for her in the, in the future? Do you talk about having budgets for each other and like where you can spend money and I can spend money and, and all those types of things. You have goals for the children, you know, so that the children aren't just haphazardly growing, but that you're like actually helping them grow as people and individuals. 
Do you know where each of those children are at? Are you taking initiative with where they're at and what their needs are and all those things? Are you doing those things? Because if you're not setting and achieving goals, you're not leading. Number two, here's another thing that leaders do in marriages. They solve problems and make decisions. They solve problems and make decisions. Now, the solving the problem isn't solving and fixing what she's asking you to do over here or when she's expressing those things. There is a time, though, to solve problems. There's a time to look at your budget. There's a time to look at your children and go, there's a problem here. We must address it. So what tough decisions are you making? Or are you just putting it all in your wife? Are you just saying, oh, you've got to deal with it? Or are you just saying, well, I don't want to deal with it. Like there's certain aspects that I've got to get better at. I know that where my wife is calling me out on something and, and I want to hide from it because I don't want to face it and the uncomfortableness and the realness of it. And so I have to call myself to accountability and say, okay, I'm going to do this thing by Wednesday. I'm going to make a tough decision. I'm going to do this thing that I don't want to do, but I'm going to do it because I must do it because that's what leaders do. Leaders make tough decisions. Leaders put their ass on the line, regardless of whether or not they're right or wrong. They come to the table and say, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but here's what I know to be true. And I'm going to do this. And that's how it's going to be. Number three, leaders as husbands in marriage prioritize and, are, and, and stay focused. What are you prioritizing in your marriage? Are you prioritizing quality time with your wife? Are you prioritizing sex with your wife? Are you prioritizing um, coffee with your wife? Are you prioritizing listening to your wife? Or is everything about you? Is everything about your stuff? Is everything about your goals, your visions, your friends, your, your this, your this, your this? Or are you listening to her? Are you prioritizing her and her needs? Because guys, if you're not, you're not leading and you're not leading well. What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on that could be standing between you and having a good marriage? Because marriages don't just dissipate overnight. Some of you come to the table and you're like, I just don't understand. We had a great marriage. We never fought. Everything was good. And all of a sudden she wants out. I don't understand. Dude, if you look at your life and how you led as a husband, you were not a good husband. These things I'm talking about here, so far we only talked about three, achieve, setting and achieving goals, making problems and making, uh, setting pro solving problems and making decisions, prioritizing and staying focused. These are things that most husbands don't do. I don't know that many husbands that do these things. I did not do this in my 17 years of marriage. I know I did not, but I made up my mind that I'm going to do these things in this marriage. And I learned from my mistakes in the past. And I'm, and I'm here to tell you, hey, you can do that. And, you, and some of you still have the opportunity to do it in your old marriage where you create a new marriage. Number four, believe and inspire her to, to believe. Do you inspire your wife to believe? Is she inspired by the mission that you guys have together? Do you even have a mission? Like, what is your mission? I was talking to my wife about that. I said, what is our mission? And I was like, what would you say it is? And we talked about growing, you know, so that when we're 80 something years old, that we have built a foundation of friendship and built a foundation of a life that we want to stay together for the rest of our life. And that we could not see ourselves with anybody, other person, we'd not want to be with any other person, but that's who we are. And that's how we live. And so our mission is to become that tight of a bond. And even though we have seven kids and, and a, you know, growing business and family and all these things around us that we stay tight. That is our mission is that we stay tight, that we never lose focus of who we are together as people, both as individuals and then together as people. And that is our mission. Does she believe in the mission?
does your have you talked to your wife about a mission? I guarantee you, you're listening to this and you're going, I've never heard this before. I've never thought of marriage this way. Well, maybe that's why you have a bad marriage. You know, so many of you guys that commented on that post and you were saying stupid shit like, it's two to tango, you don't know what you did, you're full of shit, you're gaslighting, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bro, like, you guys don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> like, you're living at such a low level of marriage because you only know what's on television. You didn't have a good marriage uh, to, you know, your parents weren't, you know, a good married couple. Even if they stayed married for 35 years, doesn't mean it was a good marriage. You look at TV marriages and you go, that's a good marriage. It's made up. It's fake. It's fantasy. It's not real. But a good marriage comes down to having a good leader. So you're, some of you are like, well, I, don't, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know how to do this. Well, let me talk about the last one, and then I'm going to talk about how you can actually implement this. So the final piece is that you get results as a husband or you don't. You get results. You get results. You either get results as a husband or you don't. If you don't get results, you're a bad fucking leader. It's just very plain. Like, this is it, man. You, you either set and achieve goals. You either solve problems and make decisions. You either prioritize and stay focused. You either believe or get her to believe in the mission. Or you perform and get results. And if you don't do those things, you are not a good leader. You are not a good husband. I'm going to say it again. You are not a good husband. Too many of you think, oh, my shit doesn't stink. I'm a good husband. I'm a great husband. I never cheated on her. I never, I provided all the time. Look, cheating and providing have nothing to do with being a great husband. They have everything to do with honoring the basic sanctity of your vows, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. That doesn't mean you're a good husband. What makes you a good husband is, what, is being a good leader. And that's the only way that you can do this is to become a good leader, right? You have to humble yourself. You have to get to a place where you recognize that in order for me to get the results I want, in order for me to become the man I want, I have to humble myself and get those results. So practically, if you're, if you're still married and you're still in the same house and your wife isn't talking about leaving the marriage and, and she's kind of like just frustrated and you guys are just struggling, that's where you need to have these conversations. You need to look internally at yourself and go, do we have a mission? And, and ask yourself, do, it, what would be that mission? Ask your wife, what do you feel like the mission of our, of our family is? And she's probably like, I have no idea. I don't even know we have to have to have a mission. Exactly. It comes back to leadership. So even if you've never seen a good marriage before, you have no idea what a good marriage should look like, what you can look at is good leadership. Who are the best leaders you know? Go emulate those leaders and go figure out a way to do these five things, set and achieve goals, solve problems, make decisions, prioritize and stay focused, believe and inspire your wife to believe in the mission, and then perform and get results. Until then... You're a bad husband. That doesn't mean you're a bad man. Bad husband is just a outer thing. It's an external thing. Bad man is an internal thing. And so many of you think when I say bad husband, that means you're a bad man. That's shame. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you have work to do as a husband to get better at a thing that you do, a role that you play. Man is who you are. Husband is a role you play. Man is who you are. Role is a husband is a role you play. Do not get the two confused. Your identity is not a husband. That is a thing that you do. That is a, a role you have, but that's not who you are. You are a man. You are an empowered man if you choose to be. And you can be a good man if you choose to be. And you can be a great husband if you choose to be. So if you're at a place where you're like, hey, I'm done with a bad marriage, then you better be a good husband. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truths. 
Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Dude, Andrew, what was the first tattoo you got on your back? My you said initial, it was one on your okay. My initials with hockey sticks through my middle initial. It's cute. A-L, hockey sticks. A-J-L. A-J-L? Andrew Jackson. Agile. Andrew Jackson? Justin. Just, Justin? Mm-hmm. What's your middle name, Mark? William. William? Huh? Mine's Matt. William. William. See, I don't, I don't have a mic right now. What, I if, my, what if I went by Bill? <laughs> What's up, See, Mr. Bill Santiago? <laughs> that never made sense to me. How does William transition into Bill? So, I have no idea. Bill, Billy, Buddy, Mac. Or like, I've heard like Jim and Dick. How? Yeah. How does that transition? Richard. If anyone hears this, like, or Richard. It's Richard Dick. and Dick, yeah. Still, how? How? If anyone has that clarity there, I'd please, like it. Please email us at a support at empoweredman.co or a podcast <laughs> at empoweredman.co. Let us know. Archie's going to know how we got Dick from Richard. Yeah. Someone's going to send some article about that. Back when Never. I was a young kid. Because <laughs> one of those guys in our first <laughs> Back in 1963, Richard Dude, I, was a I, dick. <laughs> and that's what it came from. That's what it came from. We I would be really to intrigued to know. Dickhead. What? I would be really intrigued to know really where that came from. Please don't Google it. He's like, he's, I'm not going to Google it right now. He, he had the Google it eyes on. He's like, right? Did Richard Siri. go to dick? <laughs> Siri, why is a dick? Why is a Richard called a dick, please? <laughs> right? I don't want to know what would come up on my search tab if I did that. I'd have to do it through like duck, duck, go. Like Jeopardy. I'll take three. I'll take Dick for 300 bucks. <laughs> Dude, would you ever go on Jeopardy? I would lose. I'm one of those people like I know a, a little bit about a lot of things. I don't know a lot about a lot of things. There are the, then there are a few things that I know a lot about, and that's where I stay in my lane. But those other things like, like my daughter is always like, how do you – like I know weird things like where, where uh, football players went to college and high school – and like mm-hmm. what town they were born in, like weird stats, like games from the eighties and nineties. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, I just, I don't know. I just experienced them. And so I remember them. I, I don't know. I would be down to go on the show. The floor is lava. Have you guys seen that? Never seen that. I have not seen it, but obviously my Dude. kids play it all the time. Yeah. You enter as a team. Like you have to enter with as a team of like three to four and like, basically they take you through different levels where the floor is lava and you have to make it through it. And some of it, like, let's say we all enter as a team of four, but we can each choose our own way. And let's say one of us makes it. And then I hit the red button. Like you can shoot slime at the other team to make them fall. You can make pieces disappear if you get there first, but then obviously they can also do the same. Interesting. Hmm. That sounds like it would be a good thing to do at a retreat. Yeah. Like one of our retreats coming up. Like we we need to do things like that, like Mm -hmm. where it's like team based, got to do shit. Like we're not going to be like crawling in the sand necessarily and like beating people up and telling they're fucking losers, but we can do team stuff like that. (laughs) I always like, anytime I did things like that in business school or, or whatever, it's like, it just, I don't know. It just does something. You create a bond, if you will. So yeah. I like, I like doing something like that. That's cool. Yeah. I'm down for that. Built. Yeah. I'd be down for that. I've, I've done an, uh, this event 
I'm not going to mention the company because I don't want to platform anyone else. But in at this event, we did this exercise that involved hay barrels. And you had to like build something out of the hay barrels. And one of the teams built a freaking pyramid. Like I thought it was the coolest. It was way better than ours. Like we just built what looked like a hut, but theirs was a legit fucking pyramid. I think something like that would be fun. Yeah. Um, maybe like a paintball game. Oh, totally. Wait, paintball story. So I used to play, <laughs> so I'd go to these men's retreats back in the day when I was in my twenties and thirties in Georgia. And we'd go to upstate or not upstate, but like, yeah, like middle of nowhere, Georgia. So out to Atlanta, about an hour or two hours away. And we were playing this epic game and it was cool. What was cool about this place was you're playing in the woods and there's leaves everywhere. So you could like hide in the fucking leaves. Like there was that many like me. leaves. I know. And so there were, there was like this ditch and you could like duck into it and like you, it goes down like maybe five feet or so. And it was like just a pile of leaves in there. So me and another guy like go and we like, we army crawl and get into that ditch. Now it's clearly right next to the line for the enemy. Right. So mm -hmm. we're playing capture the flag style. So we get mm -hmm. down in there and I'm like, all right, there's one guy left and he's standing like 10 feet away but he doesn't know we're there. So I was like, all right, on the count of three, we're going to get up and we're going to surprise him and we're going to shoot him. And he's not going to see us. He's not even know what hit him. So we go one, two, three, stood up boom, boom, and we start trying to shoot. He knew we were there. He fucking knew it and goes dot, 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 shot me right on the dick, <laughs> right on the Richard. Like, right on the Richard. Like, literally. I had a fucking, uh, uh, Mark, this big on my penis. It was right on my head. It could sound like my dick is so big, but it was big enough to where you were like, man, it looked like I got a hickey on my dick at a men's retreat. Going home to my wife, what am I supposed to say? I got a hickey on my dick from the men's retreat. She's like, what did you do there? Oh, uh, we played paintball. Whose balls? Who are you painting? How did you get a hooky on your dick? So me and paintball have a have a history a bit but i love playing paintball it's fun we did it also in the police academy as well with real guns that was also fun uh shooting cops with i, I helped train the police officers and we use real guns with paint pellets on real bullets so instead of it being a bullet it was real paint that shit hurt that was worse than a regular paint. yeah because it was like a real bullet except it had a paint head instead of a lead head so oh fucking hurt but oh. yeah you get hit in the wrong place man I mean, I just imagine though, had he gone a little bit over, it would hit the nut. <laughs> and like, I might not have ever produced my third child or my fourth child because I only had, to, I only had two kids at the time. So I'm like, nice, damn, guys. son. And it was supposed to be a Christian camp too. Like, this doesn't feel like Jesus. Right. <laughs> what would Jesus oh, do? He wouldn't shoot you in the dick is what he wouldn't do. Jeez. This guy did. This guy did. Damn. I've only gone paintballing a handful of times. I'll tell you a story about the last time I went with the gym that I worked at. So everyone was like super fucking fit that we were playing with. And one of the guys was ex-military. And so he brought all of his like skibbies with him. And I dude, I literally put on like fucking desert attire. It's in San Diego, the peak of summer. So it's 110 degrees out. And one of our guys played paintball. Mark, you've played paintball. So when someone has their own gun, it's much different than oh, yeah. the gun that you rent. You totally, you know, that motherfucker is going to kill some people. 
Yeah, especially when he has like the highest PSI gun and he's got yep. the little double trigger. So he's like, yep. yeah, he's not on my team. <laughs> I already knew they give us the rental gun and I go over to the target practice area. This thing's like, yes, <laughs> and I'm like trying to shoot. And I'm like, so I pretty much have to be point blank with someone. And at this point, I should just give him a little shove too. Yeah. And so we go into the game. I just decided as we're all walking out, cause it was different, like they had different levels. And this one was like the, it was like a building level. So it's like literally 20 against 20 and I'm up on the hill and I'm like, I'm not going down. And I wait for everyone to get down there. And I just hear him from a distance. And I hear people like, ah, ah, it sounds like a fucking like war zone is happening below me and i just see him he's dressed in all blue and he's just going down going down the field just taking people out left and right and i'm like no fuck this i'm gonna hide so i just go down the side end up hiding behind this building i'm the last one left it's literally like 17 against one and i decided i'm going to withstand the test of time i'm going to hide as long as i can so i did an hour and a half in people just start leaving the game because they want to go into the next game and i'm convinced and i'm like they will all quit everyone except for him so then it's just me and him left on the map and friends are yelling like go joe you got this joey because there's a thousand bucks on the line each game that was won you win a thousand dollars and if you're the last person left you get the whole you get the pool nice Dude, I thought I had the jump on this guy. He turns around, does this. I'm firing. I fired like 15 at him and I yell, I'm close enough to yell surrender. And when you yell surrender, they have the option. Like mm -hmm. you stop, dude, he didn't care. He dropped down. This guy was like trained. He dropped down, did what a fucking barrel roll flipped over. And in the process, I got shot 17 times from my thigh all the way up into my neck. Dude, I had three lights. <laughs> yeah, just straight up. <laughs> Dude, I was so scared. I threw the gun up in the air, just took off the other way. Dude, it was so embarrassing. But I learned that day, I don't want to go against someone that has their own paintball gun. Or I want my own paintball gun that does that. Because after I was playing with this gun, after like, dude, you shot me, you got me, you won. And this guy wasn't even a part of like our gym. He was just a random guy that hung out at the park that probably just fucked people up all day with this fucking 1200 PSI gun. But dude, I fired that thing after. It's no wonder he won this thing. Dude, you, it goes right where you point it. And it's firing like 15 yeah. every two seconds. Yeah. So when we go paintballing with the guys from Empowered Man, I'm ordering something. I'm going to order go. like, I'm going to dual wield. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group 
group, empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.